is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, our flagship station. I'm here every week, as you know, talking about the mental side of sports. My 30th year of work as a radio host and my 20th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. You know, I love doing this show every week as we talk about the mental side of sports. We talk about attitudes, mindsets, focus, concentration. And as you know, I co-authored a book called Just Let Them Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Swim Coach Pete Malone is in the Hall of Fame of USA Swimming. And we talk in there so much about youth sports and how to be successful and how to have fun and how to grow and how to learn and the role parents have, the role coaches have. You know, here in Kansas City, where our show is headquartered, we're very fortunate to have so many great athletes and coaches in so many different sports. And this past year, I had the privilege of meeting one of them, and he happens to be an Olympian. His name's Casey Lightfoot. And this morning, he's here in the studio with his parents, Anthony and Kim. And we're going to talk about being in the Olympics as he was this year, getting fourth place in the pole vault. And that's not too damn bad, let me tell you, to get fourth place in anything in the world. So we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk with his parents. I'm going to put them on the spot here this morning. Talk about raising Casey and how he got into this. And let's face it, not everybody goes out and pole vaults for fun. So this is obviously a unique sport. And I've worked with many pole vaulters over my 40 years of work, especially when I started at the University of Kansas back in the 80s. Got to know Scott Huffman, who was in the Olympics in 1988. And uh, Coach Bob Timmons, our, our track coach there, gave me my first job. Uh, worked so many with uh, so many great pole vaulters. Our coach, one of the pole vaulting coaches, uh, Rick Attic up there, good friend of mine, coached many, many pole vaulters. And let's face it, you've got to have a different mindset to be a pole vaulter. So let's start, Casey, with you. Tell us about the Olympics. What, what was it like to be there? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the Olympics was a good experience. I've, I've done, I've had many trips. I've competed for the United States more than once. But uh, the Olympics is a big one. I mean, it's once every four years. It's arguably, I mean, it's not even really arguably. It's the biggest competition that you can go to. So uh, I'm glad to experience it at a young age. It was uh, all that it was cracked up to be. Unfortunately, we had some restrictions with COVID, and that kind of messed a few things up. But uh, what, what, Okay, so let me interrupt right there. What did that mess up for you? Because you're the indoor college champion. In the United States, yeah. correct? Yeah. So Nineteen feet eight inches and eight and a quarter. Eight and a quarter, six meters. Yeah. But um, COVID obviously it pushed it back a year. So I mean that was a bummer for a lot of people. For me, it wasn't too bad of a thing, too bad of a deal. I was only twenty years old whenever whenever I was going to go into it in twenty twenty. So it got pushed back to the extra year. So I mean I just used that year to grow and mature a little bit more. But um, the best part about it was it was it was postponed and not canceled. Canceled is what none of us wanted. So. Uh, I, it, it was a bummer for a lot of people, kind of the group that's nearing the end of their career. It, it would be really tough to to go an extra year to compete at the highest level if your body just can't do it anymore. But for me, it was fine. COVID at the games was 
spit tests every morning, just hoping you didn't didn't get pinged. Unfortunately, our teammate at pole vaulter actually got pinged for COVID, and that was a really bad situation. But I'm glad he's finally home with his family, and he's he's ready to go to Europe again. So, were you guys pretty much isolated most of the time you were there, so you weren't around other people, or how did that work be- before you competed? So, whenever we were there, we were, we couldn't leave the Olympic Village unless we were going to going to training or going to the stadium so like we couldn't go tour japan or anything and everybody asked like is that such a bummer and i'm like well the drive to this practice track was 45 minutes and the drive to the stadium was 30 so i mean i got to do that 10 15 times so i got to see plenty of japan is what i what i usually say so it was it was nice i still got to see some things but didn't get to tour on our own just kind of hung out in the olympic village with everybody for two weeks so getting fourth place Tell me how that felt when when the competition was over. How'd you feel about yourself? I mean, I, I was I was pumped for sure. I mean, fourth place is fourth place in the Olympic Games. Not everybody can do that. It's 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 a really good feat. And uh, obviously, I was a little little bummed on the inside. I would have liked to have come home with some with one of the medals, but it was one of those things. There was no point to feel bad about it because it just kind of ruins the experience on its own. So I, I'm I was, I'm pumped with the fourth place. I'm I'm glad I got. Got fourth place. Everything felt pretty good while I was there, and I, I hopefully I'll go back to a couple more games, and maybe I can just bring home a medal then. Well, you're a professional now, so you'll be competing year round, right, in, in different meets, indoor yep. and outdoor, around the world. Yep. Okay, mom, dad, tell me what it was like for you two. I know you were watching on on what YouTube or TV or whatever. I'm not not sure what it was on, but when when this was over and he got fourth place, what was that like for both of you? Um, it was amazing. It was it, it was amazing. We had all of our family and friends there to watch with us. We had a big uh, block party to cheer him on, even at five twenty in the morning. Yeah, I saw you on TV. You guys were having a good time at five. Boy, you guys are partiers. Yeah, we were having a wonderful time. It, it was definitely it was definitely great. I mean, uh, for us, I mean, uh, I, I didn't. I never even had that feeling. Oh man, if he'd got that next bar and got that bronze medal or something like that, I didn't have that uh at all i i was just i just know it was so good you know uh with the with everything it takes to get there even and to go ahead and get fourth is just it was really exciting i was happy for him and just hoping that he felt the same way that was the main thing well you've coached him most of his life okay as his father and his coach for you personally anthony what was that feeling like to see your son get fourth place in the olympics and just just internally what did that feel like because you've obviously had a huge role in all that yeah, just um, just satisfying and seeing hard work uh, paying off. You know, I, I, I've done his workouts and stuff like back when he was a uh, tenth grade in high school. From then on, you know, and um, just seeing him just work hard and have that ethic. You know, just to work hard, never give up, just keep at it, no matter what. And finally, paying off for a big, big stage like this is great. <laughs> what about for you, Kim? Um, yeah, I mean, I was extremely happy. I, I don't know all the technical stuff of the pole vaulting, so I had the mom happiness. Just I, To me, he won making the Olympic team right there what was a win. So this was like the icing on the cake. But I, I was so happy for him. You know, in case I want you to jump in with this. So, so many parents talk about goals for their kids when they're younger about being an athlete or being a musician or being a politician, maybe not so much anymore politicians. But anyway, a lot of people want their kids to grow up and get involved in something. And when it comes to sports, so many parents 
have this dream of their kids getting a scholarship or playing professionally or being in the Olympics. After the Olympics, every year, two sports, swimming and gymnastics, always see this huge influx of new kids signing up because of the excitement from the Olympics. What was that like for you with your parents growing up? Was that was that something you had in the back of your mind? Would your parents say we want you to be an Olymp- Olympian, be a pole vaulter? That never even came up. That was uh, that was definitely not the the forefront of everything. Whenever I was whenever I was little, I actually started. I mean, I played I played baseball for a long time. I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and I still love playing baseball. But I started pole vaulting, and I had fun with it. And that's kind of when the baseball days ended. But it was never. It, it's hard to look at something so early on and say that you want to be a professional or be an Olympian for it. So it was never like that really for us. I mean, we kind of looked at it one step at a time. It was like, can we be, can we, can we do well in the state, the state meet? And then it was, can we do well nationally? And then it was, can we, can we do well collegiately? And now it's kind of towards the level, can we do well internationally? And, but it was never from the beginning, I want to be an Olympian in pole vaulting. I mean, it's just, I think for us and for me, it was just hard to look at it that far ahead. I always looked at it very, very much like I want to be as good as I can be, but you never know until, until you're there how good you can actually be. So from a pressure standpoint, you, you never felt pressure from your parents. You've got to do this to be successful. That was never there. No, I, no, I never felt that kind of pressure. That's great. And, and you two didn't put that pressure on him as well. No, we didn't. It, it just we we were just amazed and happy that he did well. You know, we never looked that far ahead. <laughs> it was just great, and we enjoyed what he's doing then. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, having a great interview this morning. Joining me is Casey Lightfoot, fourth place in the pole vault in the Olympics this year, and his parents Anthony and Kimmer with us as well. We're talking about how he made it there, how he dealt with it, and we'll be back in a moment. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. Our topic today, the pandemic or post-pandemic, as we talk about the human and work-related hiccups and possible residuals resulting from the pandemic. Now, the takeaway for me or the startling reality for me, at least, was that I knew this pandemic has had its impact. I mean, over 600,000 Americans dead, so many Americans sick, and we know our schedules would change, but it seems to have pulled the covers off of a lot of other issues, a lot of other fissures within our society, and particularly in the area of the workspace. For more, watch State of Play TV. Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. 
Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And you know, our shows are podcasted all over. And if you are a coach, you're a parent, you're an athlete, this is a great show to listen to as a podcast, get your your team to listen to it, because we're talking this morning with Casey Lightfoot, fourth place in the Olympics in the pole vault, and his parents, Anthony and Kim, and having a great interview with him. And so, Casey, let, let, let's get into the pole vault, okay? Because let's face it, it takes a unique type of person to do this, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's a unique event. It's, uh, it's a lot different than uh, running, turning left on the track. Well, you have to run, but you I don't gotta turn. I got to run, but I don't, I don't have to run in circles. No, <laughs> you got to run and you have to jump. Okay, I've worked with a lot of pole vaulters in my 40 years of work, and there is a unique, I think, characteristic that, that people who succeed at this have, and that's, that's a lack of fear. I, I, and not that you're not afraid of some things, but there's not going to be that, that fear of going up and coming down because I've worked with many, many guys over the years Back when I worked at the University of Kansas back in the 80s, there were several guys who they had trouble going up because they were afraid of coming down. So what is it about you that, that stands out that way? Because they're obviously to, to do to have the success you've had, you can't have that fear. Or it's going to hold you back. Yeah, you definitely can't have that fear. And that, that whenever you do have that fear, it's, uh, it makes the sport a lot less fun because it just... I mean, it takes the jumping out of the jumping, the jumping event. So, I mean, you can imagine if you're pole vaulting and just and just running through all the time, it's not. Uh, you don't get to enjoy the the 
the two thirds of the of the whole event that are fun. So um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a unique unique event, and you got to have the mindset, and you got to get in the right spot to do it. I mean it, it's not too bad whenever you think about it. Like from the beginning, you only jump seven eight foot and then you work your way kind of to the 19 foot because i'll talk to some people and they're like well how that's crazy how do you do that 19 foot and i'm i gotta remind them it's like well i didn't go from zero to 19 i went from zero to seven eight nine ten eleven all the way up to 19 so the, and almost to 20 and almost to 20 hopefully by the end of my career i can jump 20 foot but uh it's a unique a unique mindset that you have to have and you, you got to be pretty strong-minded to do it so what is that mindset that you have to have and i'm going to ask your parents about this too because obviously they had a role in raising you to get to this point what is what do you have to do mentally to to really not have that fear and to be able to go up that high you know i don't i don't think the mindset is really that much different than uh than a lot of other sports because you don't really i mean i look at it a way of you kind of have to prepare for your your event whether it's baseball football kicking field goals swimming whatever it is you you have to mentally prepare to just be the best that you can be and get over any obstacles that you have to deal with our obstacles are obviously height and injury and everything like that and so that's that's our our unique part of it but to get over that it's really i mean you just got to have confidence in your training confidence in your abilities and Sometimes it's an, it's an ongoing joke, but sometimes you run down you run down there and you call it you're running scared. You don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you kind of just hope hope for the best. And every once in a while, it comes down to that point. But usually, you just you try to stay in control with whatever you can control. So how do you how did you get to that point to where you don't worry about it when you run down there and you're just going up, so that you don't let that that obstacle that fear because that can hold you back, right? And something like this that involves so much technique and precision, you've got to have that right mindset to do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't really know how exactly I got there. I would just say through all of the experience that I've had and all the all the trials that I've done. I mean, I've had thousands and thousands of jumps in my life. So I guess you do something so many times, you kind of get used to it. And I guess that's where kind of the, the fear factor goes away. But yeah, like you said, whenever whenever that fear factor comes back, it, it it's not a good situation. I mean, you and I have had some talks in the past whenever I had a little... Uh, a little uh, mental block in there, and uh, I mean, it's just one of those things that you got to get over it. However, you can do, and the way that I did it was by talking to you, listening to listening to your video. I listened to that before every every meet, actually, every night before, and usually the day of. But uh, you just kind of got to you just kind of got to do what you can do, control what you can control, and help try to get over some of the other parts. So right, you listen to it's the twenty minutes to to, to athletic success that goes through of breathing exercise a muscle tightening loosening exercise a confidence building section visualization section how did that help you i mean it's uh i i really liked the the confidence building and the visualization because i think those are two of the very most important that you can have for really any any sport especially for an event like pole vault because it's so unique that being able to visualize what you need to do whenever you're not actually doing it is is huge and the the confidence i mean is i mean that's at the top of the list for I think any any sport really. So let's let's hit on this for a second. I'm going to bring your parents into the conversation. Simone Biles, as we all know, mm-hmm. you know, had an issue with the twisties and probably other issues as well. Okay, the fear factor came in, and of course, it, and, and not much different than you going up in the air and flying around and having to land. And I've worked with gymnasts my whole career. I started at grad school at San Diego State with the women's gymnastics team. I mean, you go down and you jump on that that platform and hit the horse and flip around you don't want to land the wrong way because you could get seriously injured or die 
Okay, and pole vaulting, I mean, it doesn't, I'm sure there's a similar type of feeling with that as well, but maybe not quite the same because you're not flipping around like that, although you are flipping around in the air up there. Um, when you heard all of that, because you were there when this was going on, how did that how did that affect you? What was going through your mind? Whenever I heard about it, I didn't know exactly what the problems were at first, but then I kind of understood what the problems were and what it was called, the twisties. And, uh, I mean, I it I know what it feels like in my own in my own way with pole vault and it's just not something that you want to have with for any athlete and it's hard to see the the, the thing that bugged me was when Simone came out and said that the whole all of the public was trying to get involved saying they know what she should do and everything about it but i mean it's so internal that it it doesn't matter what anybody external really says it's just so in down deep inside you that it upsets me that people think they know what's going on whenever they don't. So I feel for Simone Biles. I'm I'm hoping she's getting better. So that it's 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 a tough situation. Okay, for mom, dad, when you heard that, I'm sure something went through your mind pertaining to Casey in some sense. Anthony, you're shaking your head here. One hundred percent. And and I I talked to a couple people, you know, and they're like, I can't even believe that she's what is this mental block stuff? She needs to perform for the United States and all that. And I was just like, dude. It is for real. <laughs> I mean, you get that mental block that your body has done something thousands and thousands of times. But if you get that little click thing where you ha- you're going through a mental block, um, it's just that person has to deal with it and get through it somehow and do not judge them because it is for real. I've seen it. I've seen it with practices with my own son, you know, and watching it. It's really tough as a dad and a coach, you know. And um, that's, like Casey said, that's probably the most frustrating thing is people not knowing anything about it. Kim, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I've even had some people talk to me also or say comments about Simone. And, and I just looked at him and said, you, you have no idea of what she's dealing with and, you know, what she has to go through to get over that mental block. Yeah, as as parents, I'm sure you you were very sensitive to that and felt felt for it. As did I, having worked with so many gymnasts yeah. and and had gymnasts I've worked with in the past who've had that fear. So that's a big issue, and 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 hopefully she's doing well and is going to get better. I've done a couple of shows talking about that with some experts. Who last week we had the Canadian sports psychiatrist on who was there, and we discussed that at length. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, having a fascinating interview this morning with. Casey Lightfoot, who came in fourth place in the Olympics in the pole vault, and his parents, Anthony and Kim. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. The status of black women in America. A lot of people say, well, why do you need to talk about it? You've got Kamala Harris, a heartbeat away from the presidency. You've got Stacey Abrams being considered for Nobel Peace Prize. But I think we all know that's not the real deal. African-Americans and particularly women were the vessels by which to keep this human capital going. Uh, During slavery, then you had uh, Jim Crow. And there's a sensitivity on the part of women generally, whatever the race, and then particularly African-American women, to raise the point of, why aren't you talking? talking about me? Why don't you have programs customized uh, to deal with my needs? And so I guess that explains why we're still struggling with it uh, in this year of 2021. For more, watch State of Play, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel.
America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Thanks for listening today to the Sports Psychology Hour. And today we're having a great interview with Casey Lightfoot, who got fourth place in the Olympics in the pole vault. And his parents, Anthony and Kim. And before we, we move into this segment, I just want to say to Casey, you know, years ago, in 1996, I worked with, uh, I've worked with a, a bunch of Olympians. And I was the Olympic team psychologist back in the 80s with the cycling team, where we won nine medals in 1984, hadn't won any in 72 years. And Catherine Fox, who won two gold medals in swimming in 1996, grew up here in Kansas City, went on to Stanford. And uh, Catherine's going to come on with us later this year and talk about her experience. She came on my show with her coach, Pete Malone, co-author of my book, and uh, before she left for Atlanta. And I'm going to get you to comment on this as well. So 
we were talking about going to Atlanta and, and her goals, and she said, Dr. J, because I've known Catherine since she was a little kid. She goes, uh, I just want to go down there and do my best. And if I do my best and I come home with a medal, I'm going to be really happy. But if I do my best and come in dead last place, but I do best times, I'll be disappointed I didn't get a medal, but I won't be disappointed in myself. What about you? Tell, tell us how you felt about that. I mean, that's it's kind of the same situation I was in. I mean, the United States Olympic team is the, the hardest one to make. So, I mean, I was proud of myself for doing that, and I, I kind of had the same mindset. I, I would have liked to have gone in and won a medal. I think everybody's goal is to like to like would like to go in and win a medal, but uh, it, it, it's a shame. I, I feel for the people that go in with not, like, too high of expectations, but go in with really high expectations, fall a little bit short, get the, get all bummed out, and then it kind of ruins their their whole experience. And I mean, I didn't want to have that, whether I whether I no-hide it or did anything. I, I wanted to go in and enjoy the experience, no matter what the outcome was, because not everybody gets to not everybody gets to have that experience. So I just I just didn't want to ruin it for me, and I I, I, I enjoyed my whole experience. So, winning winning to you means what? Oh, I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but what's it, what's it mean? You know, winning to me. I mean, it's a positive thing. It's not everything, like a lot of people think. But uh, I think to me, it kind of just means hard work's paying off, and and things are lining up at the right times. You're progressing in your athletic achievements and career. But I mean, if you don't win, you don't win. I mean, the world's gonna rotate tomorrow, so you give it all you got, and if you come out on top, it's a reward. If not, it's, it is what it is. Well, I think you've got a great perspective with that. I know earlier this year, I had a show where we talked about how learning how to fail is something we need to teach kids, and we had a caller in that show who uh, used a fairly blunt term telling me what I was teaching kids to be, which I won't repeat today. So, Mom, Dad, along the lines of that, the pressure that parents put on kids today. Anthony, you've coached. You've seen it. Kim, you're going to comment on this as well. You start, Kim. I mean, what, what do you feel about that? You didn't, you didn't raise your son to be an Olympian. You raised him to be what? Your son, right? I raised him to be my son. No, I did not raise him to be an Olympian. Um, I don't feel like we put any pressure on him. We let him try many different things. And he, he did motocross. He did baseball. He did a lot of things. And he was very good at all of them. But we didn't push him in any direction. So we just kind of let him figure it out. And he came across pole vaulting. His dad was a pole vaulter and asked him to go try it one time. And that's the start of, of where he's ended up. Anthony, go ahead. Yeah, um, just like like Casey said uh, about not having the pressure on himself, you know, and not having the expectations. And if you don't do well, uh, as long as you did your best, that's a great thing for him. But it has taken almost 22 years for him to get there. Because well, that's something we, when he was he young, mentioned, we just it we was talked not about. Not the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go on. Explain <laughs> that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's Be, true. The, being he, you know, you've you've heard people just generally say, "Oh, you're a perfection." He's a perfectionist or whatever. No, he, my son was the extreme of the perfectionist. <laughs> being a kid, you know, growing up playing baseball and stuff. So did he get angry when he make an error or strike out. Yeah. Did he yeah. break any bats? Um, no, but he, I guess they're metal I, bats. I, I remember to break the those. time in little league, 10, 10, 11 years old or something. He went for two years without getting out on on his baseball team. Two years without getting out. Well, how old was he? How uh, old were you? Uh, that was probably or so. 10, 10, or 11. 10, 10 or 11. Two years, that, so you played three games a year. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that's it. He, he, he was did great. Now, I'll never forget the game at the end of the year, uh, and um, he hit a single to first. 
he was on first base, and the guy up at bat hit a grounder to second a base, so it was a force out. Oh, my gosh, the world was about to end <laughs> because he got out. And um, I think he hit three homers and a double before then, and everybody's trying to say, oh, you did so great, you know, big deal. No, I got out. That was the most important thing to him. So <laughs> you remember it, that? I do remember that. I don't remember who hit, who hit that ball, but, man, that I, was just not I had to take to him it. and leave the game. <laughs> yeah, So so, okay, so – Obviously, when we, we talked about things, we, we talked about winning is doing your best and focusing on effort rather than results. How did you teach him, though, to deal with that at, at a younger age? Because obviously he did overcome a lot of that or he wouldn't be where he is. It, it just uh, Over time, he finally got where he was realizing you don't do the best every single day. You don't win every single day. You know, and so you're like, you, excuse and, me, you say do do be the best. That doesn't mean you didn't do your best. Right. Right. You, you wouldn't beat everybody else every single day. Somebody's going to beat you every once in a while. You know. And, so how um, long did it take him to figure that out? What's today? A couple Two days weeks ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some Somewhere in college there, you know. <laughs> Some, somewhere in there in college. Um, no, it, it, it's been a long road. So what, sure. what, so what happened at Baylor that your dad's referring to? Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, I I had a pretty good uh, pretty good record at Baylor. I think I went my last two years undefeated. But I mean, I think I just kind of grew up while I was in college, and I mean, I I started to be more competitive internationally. And I know whenever you get to internationally, it's 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 more of a it's a lot for for most people. I will say it's more of a kind of whoever's the best on the day because i mean at pole vault you can only jump so high so if we all jump 19 foot and that's our pr we're not all going to jump 19 foot on the same day every time we every time we try so whenever the whenever the fields even out a little bit at the highest levels you know that i mean you just you have to know that you somebody's going to have a good day and somebody's and you might have a bad day and it's just that's how it rolls so what what's the so based on what your mom and dad were talking about growing up with your desire to be so perfect then how did you overcome that it, it, when you were in college well i think that time that they're talking about was about the time that my team sports ended and i just went to the to the individual so there i couldn't blame anybody else but me so i mean I, that's kind of how i think it all kind of started was i mean whenever i went to pole vault it's a very individual sport to you and the you the runway and the bar i mean it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing it, it, it's not changing whether you you make it or not so I got more. I got more. I couldn't blame. I couldn't blame anybody but me. And I mean, I would try to not blame. I didn't want to have to blame myself. So I'm. I'm. I'm still very, very motivated and very dri- driven to try to be as perfect as I can be. But I, I. I know now that I can't always be perfect, no matter how how hard it is. <laughs> and how is that that you know that now? I Why do you know. think that is? I, I guess I just I grew up a little bit. I just I had to realize at some point in time. What do you think, Kim, about that? Um, yeah, he he had some problems early on as far as trying to be a perfectionist, and I think even now he he is still his perfection. He still has the perfection there, but he can accept it if everything doesn't go just right or just as he plans. So, what's your definition of perfection? Mine, my, I guess mine is to be able to do what you're trying to do every time. 
So that's not about results. Mm-hmm. It's about the effort you put into it. Mm-hmm. Anthony, as, a, as his coach and father, would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Yeah. And what, what I was referring to before, not so much just competing, but just in practices. Because when he was young, he wanted to set a personal record every day in practice even. You know, even when you're not trying to do that. And then he got a little older and it's like, okay, this practice, I'm not going to, I'm just going to focus on jumping this bar 10 times in a row, not try to jump the next and next and next. So short-term goals, realistic goals, that's what you started to focus on rather than being so high up, being the, the, the per- perfect all yeah, the time. Right. For sure. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Casey Lightfoot. He got fourth place in the Olympics in the pole vault. That's not too bad. Not too shabby at all. And his parents... Kim and Anthony are here with me. Anthony's coached him for many, many years, many, many sports, specifically the pole vault as well. Having a great conversation. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. Our topic today, the future of policing in America. But once you have a historical context, you understand why once there was professional policing in this country, it was really designed to patrol uh, slaves, as well as other sort of new immigrant types who came to America. And so you understand better why there's pushback in the police department. They may want to do it, but it institutionally was uh, anchored in having that kind of mission. So maybe defund the police is the way to go. You know, start anew. I'm not sure. For more, watch State of Play TV, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel, or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I gotta tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation. And it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) 
Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today, we're definitely talking about the mental side of sports with Casey Lightfoot, fourth place in the pole vault in the Olympics this year in Tokyo, and his parents, Anthony and Kim. And so let's, let's talk about a few words here. Um, Kim, I'm going to start with you. Uh, as a mom, what's something that he did that just scared the living daylights out of you growing up? Well, he did lots of things to scare the living daylights out of me. But the one time was when he had a pole vaulting mat um, on the side of our deck. And I was walking out the door. He was sitting on um, the railing of the deck. Me, I did not know the mat was down there, but he sees me walk out and he just fell backwards and laughed the whole way down. I'm thinking he fell off my deck. I'm hysterical, having a heart attack, and he's thinking it's really funny. So he has no fear of heights. He has no fear, period. Okay. Anthony, what about you? I, I don't know. Um, when he was three years old for his birthday, we got him a real Suzuki four-wheeler. I mean, we just started him early. It just seemed natural for him, and it, it didn't take too long. We had a little ramp set up, and the the brothers and sisters laid down, and he jumped over them on real <laughs> four-wheelers and dirt bikes and stuff before he could even ride a real bicycle. Um, he was always doing stuff like that, so I guess that was kind of scary. <laughs> so, okay, but but this is telling me something about you. You don't really have any fear, right? Not, outside of snakes. Yeah, outside of snakes, not too many, but I don't like snakes. <laughs> well, I don't either. Okay, but but the fact of the matter is, when it comes to competing then, I know we've talked about wind, wind and rain are the two big obstacles mm-hmm. for anybody who's going up pole vaulting. But really, you you can't have fear when you're doing this, can you? You can't. I mean, whenever you do, things start going wrong. And when you've recognized that over the years, how have you curtailed it and stopped it? Because I know at some point you had to have something pop in your head. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I used to just, I mean, you jump indoors, and I jumped indoors a lot growing up, and it was just all kind of gung-ho. But whenever you get outside, you get a little nice little crosswind out there. You get some rain or something. You can't. You got, you got to ease back. No matter how hard you want to push, you, you, just, you can't perform the same way whenever weather just not is not in your favor so you i had to i had to learn that you just can't go all out 100 percent every time well obviously it makes a lot of sense but tell us why why is that what when when you're going with the wind and the rain how does that hold you back why does that hold you back you know it it, it doesn't like for say hold you back but it just it kind of limits you i mean if you if you have a if you have a big tailwind behind you, you can, you're running fast you can get on some pretty big poles but if it's if it's the other way and you got a headwind, I mean it's it's like I mean you're literally running in. It's like you're running with a sail. You're running into the wind, and it's, you're I mean you're still running fast, but you just can't get on as big of a pole as you want to. So you usually don't jump as high as, as high as you you don't jump as high as you could in it in with a tailwind. I mean it's it's just, just kind of the equations for pole vault. It is what it is. Do you think, mom and dad, you? taught him to not be fearful or do you think it was just something ingrained in Casey that was just part of him I think it's just ingrained he was born that way yeah <laughs> okay yeah okay because let's let's face it 
fear when I when I work with athletes, and as Casey and I have talked about this, I, I have them write lists for me. Their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, distractions, and stressors. And one of the things we always attack are fears. What are you afraid of, and how's that holding you back? And then we try to set up a game plan. So for him, there was no fear of, of heights. There was no fear. Was there a fear of getting hurt or anything? That didn't even enter your mind. I, I think uh, whenever it was pretty bad, there was a fear of injury. And when was that? Uh, a few months ago, a couple months ago. Okay. And then, then that's what we discussed about mm. things got better. Okay. As his dad and as his coach, you know, so many people coach their kids. Is that difficult for you? It, it definitely is. <laughs> I mean, you want to do it. it. I have to do it because that's just my job, and I want to do everything I can for him, but it's also your son, so you want everything to go well for him. You so how did you separate that? Um, I, I don't think you can. <laughs> well, okay, Casey, what, what's that like having your dad as your coach? Oh, man. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's We've got really, another hour, you know, if you want to know. Oh, man. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I mean, it, it doesn't it, – I'll just leave it at that. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. <laughs> okay, because that – well, and I, and I say that we're laughing about it, but at the same time, for so many kids, that's a, that's a problem. And I have so many people come in my office mm-hmm. – who are afraid of letting their parents down. They're coaching them. They spend money to do all these things. They don't want to let their parents down because they're spending time with them. Is, did that ever pop in your head? Not really, for sure. The only time that maybe it would have come up was whenever I went professional, and it, I, they kind of left the decision up to me whether or not what I wanted to do. And that That's probably about the only time, I guess, just with any kind of fear of, like, man, I don't want to mess this decision up. But really, I mean, it's been pretty good the whole way. I, don't, I haven't really felt like that. So... Kim, Anthony, I'd like you both to comment on this. Raising kids, what would you suggest to parents today who have these dreams of their kids getting scholarships and being in the Olympics? Because a lot of parents right now who listen to this podcast are feeling that way after these Olympics with the success the United States had. Kim, start with that. I think you can introduce your kids to lots of different things out there, lots of different sports, and let them take it. Let you know, Don't push them for an Olympic dream. Let, Let them progress on their own. Back them up, support them, but don't make it a, if you can't be an Olympian, then get out of the sport type attitude because that's not going to work. No. Hey, Anthony, what do you think? Day, day by day, and you got to have fun at it. You know, if, it, if it's just uh, you're pressuring the kid, you know, into, and he's not having fun, he's either going to let himself down or you down. It's, it's just not going to work. I mean, I've seen. Day, day by day, week by week, maybe. That's about it. I've seen lots you know, all of his, his competitions, but I think one that stands out the most was, and I'll, I'll forget the school, but it was, it was started out raining, then it snowed, then it had sleet, and it was him and Chris Nielsen, I mean, in their sweats, competing, just having so much fun, Bush. and that, that, was, that was one of the best meets I think I've seen him do, because they were just having fun. And it, well, okay, but isn't that what this is all about, really? I mean, you had fun in Tokyo. I did. You have had fun a great in Tokyo. time. I had a great I mean, time. Yeah, you would have liked to have had a gold, silver, or bronze medal, but you you did great. You got fourth place. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You have a lot to be proud of. I've got two beaming parents sitting here talking about this, and I'm sure lots of friends and acquaintances and people you've worked with over the years are congratulating on it. It, it. It's an awesome accomplishment. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm pumped with with the fourth place, regardless of. Regardless of everything, I had a good time. It was a great experience. So, 
Tell us your definition of winning and losing. What are your definitions? I'm going to ask all three of that. Your definition of oh, winning man. and your definition of losing. I would say my definition of winning would be going out, doing your best, and coming out on top. I mean, and then I guess losing would be going out, doing your best, and not coming out on top. So then in the Olympics, what would you say? I believe that. <laughs> I mean, I Caught still you on that one, didn't you I? did, yeah. you did, you did. I I still believe that I was I came out winning. I obviously got beat by three other people, but I mean, I also beat some other people. But I believe that. I guess now I would go back and change my definition, but now I mean I believe I came out on top because I had a good time. I did. I gave it all I could. I gave it all I had, and that's what that's all. Mom, I Dad, had. your definition of winning. Why well, I. I I think winning is giving them giving your best shot, doing the best you can, and like he is he's said, if you don't get a medal, you don't get a medal. A medal, but you did your best. So I think that's winning. I like I said, I thought he he was a winner making the Olympic team. Anthony, just what about being you? satisfied with how you did after the day was over, no matter what. I've I've seen that because I've I've seen him uh, break the collegiate record and not be real happy because he didn't jump six meters again that day. <laughs> Self-confidence. Start, Kim, with you. What's it mean? Um, Self-confidence is, is just believing in yourself. Anthony? Yeah, yeah. Just knowing you can do it, uh, knowing that all your training and everything has got you to that point, so you're pretty confident that you can do well that day, for the circumstances anyway, or conditions that you have. Pole and Casey, what about you? Your definition of self-confidence? Um, I would say it's uh, it's kind of just believing in everything that you've done leading up to whatever you're about to do, and going in and with the idea and mentality of you're going to give it give it your all. I want to thank the three of you for coming in today. This has been a fascinating interview. Our shows are podcasted all over the place, and a lot of people are going to be listening to this. So, Casey, if people want to get a hold of you, I'm sure there will be some people who will. How can they reach you? The best way, I guess, is social media. I got to come. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I think on Instagram it's just Casey underscore Lightfoot. I think on Twitter it's Casey LTFT, I'm not sure. The initials, Casey. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to thank you all for coming in today. It's been a great interview. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and work with you. And I couldn't be any happier for you to, to have done what you did in Tokyo. That was that was just awesome. I was so happy when I when I saw that. Hey, thank you. And congratulations to all three of you. Thank you great for having family. us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You can always reach me at my website, winnersunlimited.com, or get a hold of me at my office at 816-561-5556. Have a great week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. And our topic today, the technology gap, especially for communities of color, whether it's jobs, businesses, or the adverse impact in getting credit or uh, in the criminal justice system. These um, automated decision systems have to be taught how to make decisions. They don't just grow on trees. And so the question is, is how do we teach them? We teach them by feeding past data, past human decisions, whether it's who gets loans, who gets paroled, um, you know, who gets the job. So we take that historic data and we train these systems how to make future predictions and decisions. It's almost as if technology is sort of uh, trailing alongside systemic inequalities. 
For more, watch State of Play TV, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central, on the Black News Channel, or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 